Welcome back to Let's Get Married, the wedding and event podcast. Hey, Sam. Hey, Mia. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. This is episode 14. 14. Definitely after 13, the unlucky number. (laughs) I know. How are you dealing with all the snow over there that we got this week? Um, we're definitely snowed in where, you know, um, but it's good. I, I like a good snowfall when I'm in the comfort of my own home. So it's good. How about you? I agree. I was just telling someone that this is the first year I actually like snow because it's giving us a purpose to stay put. Yeah. You know, yeah, feels better. Looking at it. <laughs> I didn't even realize that the Super Bowl, well, when this launches, this will be the day after the Super Bowl, but also on the horizon is Valentine's and Galentine's Day. And this is probably no surprise to you, but I love Valentine's Day because I love the color pink so much. Or the modern family quote is, I don't love pink, pink loves me. Like I just <laughs> love everything pink. So I'm curious, one, if you guys have any plans, because it's kind of hard to make fun special plans right now. And two, if you guys have any like fun Valentine's or Galentine's days of the past that you've had. Okay. Good question. So I am probably the complete opposite of you. I do not like Valentine's Day. It is not my favorite holiday. Um, but with that, I like, like, I think that, like, I like watching other people celebrate it. Um, and I do like the color pink. Um, so we'll, we'll you do? That. I do. It's not. I mean, I wear black all the time, but right. you know. um, <laughs> yellow is actually my favorite color. So this Valentine's Day, I don't think we're doing anything. Joel and I are, like I said, not big Valentine's Day people. If anything, maybe we'll like order in from one of our favorite restaurants, or like if we're really feeling fancy, see if there's like a socially distant, safe restaurant to go to but I don't think that there's really anything going on for us um past valentine's days I don't think we again we really haven't done anything fun or special um specific to valentine's day last year for valentine's day we were in tampa with uh, megan my one of my bridesmaids she uh, won a free contest which is so crazy and we got like a free trip to to Tampa and we saw a hockey game and we went to the craziest restaurant for Valentine's Day. This is literally right before COVID hit. So we were just texting each other like, this is like reminiscing on our last vacation. Um, There was like belly dancers and fire breathers in the street at this restaurant. So that was a pretty wild, pretty wild experience. That is wild. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize you were in Tampa this time last year. Oh, so warm, so nice. Just got to hold on to those memories. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, man. What are you in going on? Probably, honestly, the same. Not really much of a plan. Um, just kind of probably staying put, probably doing like a special takeout meal. I feel like that's what we've been doing these days during the winter um, to make a day seem a little bit special. But like I said, I love Valentine's Day, so I always am very quick to recommend Valentine's Days of the past that we have done, maybe not this year necessarily for people, um, but definitely in the future to think about. Uh, we've had a couple awesome ones, uh, and one specifically being uh, we went to the Natural History Museum in the city, and they do this Romance Under the Stars event, and it's open bar, a ton of food, this whole astronomy thing where you go and you learn about 
the connection of the stars and love and connection with other people. And it's just like a fun night and you get super dressed up. And we did this actually when we were both back in college. And so it felt like we were like being all fancy and going into the city for Valentine's Day. And then another one that we did was a Valentine's scavenger hunt all over Manhattan. This was a couple of years out of college and we ran seven miles all over the city doing all this different stuff. It brought us to St. Patrick's Cathedral, to the love statue. We had to find Valentine's Day cards in different languages, like all this kind of fun stuff. And and I feel like sometimes when you've dated so long that like you need something really different from what you would normally do, right? So um, that was a fun one. And then in terms of Valentine's Day, which is definitely the other reason that I love this time of year. Um, we always do an annual brunch, my college girlfriends, and and I'm a little melancholy about it because this really was one of the last times that I was with all of them in the same room together. And this time last year. So so hopefully we can do that again soon. And one of the hosts actually moved to Puerto, to Puerto Rico. So hopefully next year we could actually take it on the road to Puerto Rico, which would be fun. So those that's that's Valentine's Day. Puerto Rico Valentine's Day would definitely have me looking at Valentine's Day a little bit differently, I think. Right? I know. Like yeah. thinking of dreamy, like dreamy, warm, warmer weather, which is kind of what we talked about last week of like looking ahead and having something hopeful to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. I love it. All right. So today we have a very special guest, but I will let you do the honor, Sam. Who is with us? From Versace, John Barbados, Salvatore Ferragamo, Paul Stewart, Tiffany's, and now Prada, today's special guest has quite the retail background. He's our very own jewel expert, cocktail connoisseur, and fellow Let's Get Merry enthusiast. I'm thrilled to introduce to everyone Garibaldi, but also known to me as Dad. Dad, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I love listening to the podcast, so I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, and today we're going to take some of your knowledge and pick your brain about all things engagement rings. I hope I can answer all your questions. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here with us. It's nice to see you. I haven't seen you since Sam's wedding, I think. so. Almost uh, two and a half years ago. Yes. I know, <laughs> wild. But first, Sam, what are we drinking? So today... We are drinking a version of, I'd say this is a new drink that we like to enjoy, Dad. Yes, very so much this so. This is a... Blood Orange Boulevardier. And what that is, is blood orange juice, bourbon, Campari, or Aperol if you don't have Campari, sweet vermouth, and then I've garnished it with a orange twist and two maraschino cherries. Cheers. 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 It's really good. I love the taste of the orange in there. Yeah. It is a sipper because the second one will knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about this, though, is if you're thinking of cocktails for either the bride or groom, this is a great option to have. Um, it, it's definitely a sipper, and there should be a limit behind the bar, like my dad said. But it's a good, it's a good cocktail. It can also be uh, served in a martini glass, yes, which is really fantastic straight up. Um, it really tastes great. I personally happen to like it with the rocks. I think I, I'm, a, I'm a rocks person, so I think it looks it's great that way. I like that. Speaking of uh, on the rocks, I was actually going to ask you, so I have those little um, stones that you keep in the freezer. 
is a true bartender against those? Are those equal? What's your philosophy on those? So I actually, I like the ice. I have like the big round ice cubes. I actually got my dad this really cool ice cube skull thing. <laughs> so like you put it in your nice glass with scotch and you have like a cool skull in there. <laughs> I haven't used these stones, but I feel like that's a really cool idea too. I like it because it doesn't water down a drink, but I wasn't yeah. sure if it takes away from anything. You know me, you're the you're the definitely the pro by far around here. <laughs> drinks like this, sometimes I don't mind it getting a little watered down because it's easier to drink. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. But I do have to say that so many people were so excited that we were going to have you on. We gave a little bit of a, a teaser that we had a jewelry expert coming. So we were gathering lots of questions from those who follow us on social media and other people in our lives. And people had some good questions and, and um, I sprinkled in some of mine as well. So we can get into it. First off, First off, we have, what would you say to someone who comes in to buy a ring and has no idea where to start? Great question, and that happens um, quite often where we have couples that are coming in that are just browsing and they're just starting the search. So, so the main question always comes into budget because the budget will then determine the size and the scope of where you can go from there. Um, you know, we, we always like to have them browse and see what they like, and then from there we try and narrow it down. Um, if somebody comes in with a budget of $5,000, um, then from that $5,000 we ask what is important to you in that purchase of the ring? Are you more concerned with size or are you more concerned with clarity? Um, those are really the two go-tos that everybody wants. Out of the four C's, those are really the two. Um, it's more seasoned purchasers who will then get into, delve more into the four C's. So the client will then you know, tell us, well, you know, the, the husband-to-be generally wants a better stone and the wife-to-be generally wants a bigger size. You know, so somewhere there's a meeting of the minds you know where we come, but that that's the starting point when somebody comes into the store that we've always used. That's great. That makes a lot of sense. Can you remind us what the four C's are? Clarity, cut, color, and carrot. Got it. So, Dad, do you find that people tend to go more with clarity over size? You know, a lot of these questions are going to be based on the individual, but for what comes into the story, if it was me purchasing with the experience that I have, I'd much rather have a stone that has much better clarity than a stone that is larger with less clarity. But you can also sacrifice color and clarity. You can play with it because diamond grading is done on a D and it goes all the way down, if you will. Um, at Tiffany, we had very limited grading. So we did D, E, and F, and then G, H, and I. And that was it. D, E, and F are colorless. Um, G, H, and I were near colorless. So if somebody is down at a J or a K, they can go up one grade and still not lose the, the price that they're spending and get a better clarity. But you can't jump from an I to a D or an E and expect to have the same size stone. Mm -hmm. So the question comes, you know, I always ask the people, where, where do you envision yourself? You know, what do you envision? You're going to be wearing this for the rest of your life, God willing. And what did you envision this ring to be? You know, and the, a lot of times the wife or the, the wife to be will say, oh, I, at least three carrots. You know, and then the husband at that point, you know, he gives me a look of shock. And um, I said, okay, well, three carrots. I said, even if you do three carrots at a J color, you're still talking about over $100,000. Is that the parameters that you're within? And then they quickly, oh, no, that's too much. I'm looking at this. So that's how we then go. But for me, if I can ever advise somebody, it would definitely, for myself, be clarity over the size. 
Got it. Understood. I'm learning so much already. This is so exciting. <laughs> okay. So what would you say are the best metals? I know that platinum is typically what people say is the hardiest. Is something hardier? Should we stay away from certain metals? So at Tiffany, and I can, I can speak just, you know, from my experience with Tiffany, all of our engagement rings are set in platinum and we do offer, um, yellow gold or rose gold as an option. We do not offer white gold. Yellow gold and white gold, excuse me, yellow gold and rose gold would, would be 18 carat, but the crown that the diamond is set in would always be in platinum because it is the hardest setting there is and it's the most durable. So when it comes to an engagement purchase, I strongly suggest platinum. Um, over a period of time, the gold is going to wear down and the gold is gonna have to be replaced. Uh, platinum, that's not an issue. And to me, I think, when you're looking at the beauty of a stone, I think it reflects better when you're looking at a platinum setting than a colored setting, because the colored setting, I think, detracts from the beauty of the stone when the light hits it. Great. Very interesting. I know. So out of your experience at Tiffany's, and I know I have my personal favorite on style, but what was the most popular styles that you saw? The most popular style to this date is round, classic round. Hmm. Um, people want the classic Tiffany setting, you know, and they come in to Tiffany. I was going to say to us, um, they come in to Tiffany for that classic setting. And the classic setting is a six prong setting. Um, it is not a four prong setting. Hmm. And this, the six prong setting was designed by Tiffany. Um, and it serves a multitude of purposes. It, the, the selling point for me on that was when you have a four prong stone and yet it's a significant stone, or even if it's a $5,000 stone, it's significant to the wearer. If you have a four prong setting and one of those prongs are jeopardized, something happens and you bang it and it loosens, the stone can easily fall out. When you have a six prong center, uh, setting, if one of that, those stone, the prongs get jeopardized or some damage to it, you still have five other prongs keeping that diamond in place. And so for me, that's a huge vantage point that I, we always used when we were selling the classic diamond. So it doesn't even just serve a cosmetic purpose, it's also to make sure that you don't lose your stone. How interesting. Correct. And also with the six prong, you'll notice the six prong is held higher on the basket than a four prong because it's made to show off the diamond in its full capacity so that you can see the entire diamond versus a, a, a four prong where the diamond is set a little bit deeper. I'm currently counting the prongs of my rig. Uh, we only do the classic six with a round, not a pair. <laughs> I know. Neither of us have round. I was thinking about that. Is your ring platinum, Sam? Oh, yours is from Tiffany. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer her. Yes. <laughs> Did you weigh in a lot on her on her ring? I'm curious. Did I weigh in a lot? Um, I would lie. I would be lying if I said no. <laughs> so um, my son-in-law was really great because he really left that in my court, and I knew what Sam had wanted. And so I said, allow me to do this and just write me out a check. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. I Because I, I do sometimes say that it's like when women go to like an auto body shop, it's like we can be kind of taken advantage of. Not that a jewelry store necessarily would take advantage, but then sometimes I feel like a man, if he doesn't necessarily know what he's looking for or something, like could probably be pushed to do something he doesn't want to do at a jewelry shop. So you need some guidance. You need someone in your corner. And it, it, that, that's so true, Mia. And a lot of jewelers go 
because they know that they're not going to see this person ever again and they just want to sell and get the most out of them. At Tiffany, that was never what we that was never what um, our game plan was. Our game plan was to establish a relationship. Our game plan was to sell the engagement ring, then to come back for the wedding bands, then to come back for the baby gift, you know, for the push gift that's so popular these days. And then to think of us as your jeweler for the rest of your life. And so we established that from the onset, from the first walk through the door, when somebody comes in, we asked a lot of questions about their lifestyle. You know, if somebody has an active lifestyle and they're very competitive in sports and things like that, that high six-prong setting might not be the ideal setting for them because it stands to get damaged much quicker than if the, you chose a different setting. So we always asked all of these key questions about lifestyle to establish that relationship and the friendship. And then we would always, after we sold an engagement ring, we would always invite the client back in to look at wedding bands. And when we did that, we would always gift them with a, a pair of champagne flutes from Tiffany. So it was a way to invite them back into the store. No, you did not get one, Sam. She just looked at me like, where's my glasses? Uh, <laughs> um, so it was a way to invite them back into the store to say congratulations on your engagement, look at the ring, make sure everything is fine with the ring, and then talk about wedding bands. Wow. Man. And I have to say, like, not even because like the experience we had at Tiffany's was with you, Dad, but it seemed as if like as soon as we came to look at for wedding bands, um, if there was champagne, like it was just a really nice experience that was memorable instead of being pushed to do something. And now I feel like we're a walking advertisement for <laughs> Tiffany's right now. But truly, it was just a really nice experience. That that really resonates because, but I've popped into Tiffany's to try on wedding bands just casually as something to do during quarantine. And I have to say that I was a little intimidated and I, I popped into several different, three different Tiffany's in the area and everyone was so lovely and it felt mm -hmm. genuine too. It didn't feel performative. So I definitely, um, I think that checks out. But um, so a little bit different from our popular styles question. Do we know what is trending currently? I feel like I've been seeing a lot of solitaires, but is that tried and true? Is there anything trendy going on with rings these days? The there is, um, and there always is. Right now, the trendiest ring that's out there is the ring that Samantha is wearing, the pear-shaped halo. It is one of the most popular, and I'd like to say that she was a little bit ahead of the trend, and I'd like to say that perhaps I had something to do with it, but I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> or I'm just very trendy. Or she's just very trendy, yes. Yep. <laughs> um, but that right now happens to be the, the number one ring that's out there. And pear shapes for a while were very stagnant in the industry. Not a lot of people wanted them. And then all of a sudden, about two years ago, they became very sought after. And not only a pear, it's not a, a, a pear solitaire. It is a pear with the halo. And so the halo, we refer to it at Tiffany, it's not a halo, as a celeste. And the <laughs> celeste simply means it's the diamond um, band going around the initial ring. Um, that right now is very, very popular. Um, the second most popular to that will always be then the round currently. Um, after the round, it would be an oval. Those are the three. I will tell you on a personal level, one of my, my favorite stones is an emerald cut. I, I love an emerald cut diamond. Um, it is probably one of the most expensive because of the cut. Um, the amount of work it takes to get the diamond is much more significant than cutting an ordinary diamond. And when I say ordinary, any of the others. Um, but when that stone is clean, it glistens in a step pattern. That is quite unique and you don't see that. So for me, that is just a truly, truly elegant, elegant stone. But it's also a significant price increase over the price of a, a regular stone. Understood. Sam, I'm not surprised you're ahead of the trend. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Okay, so 
there was a lot of questions about repurposing old diamonds. What is your opinion on that? 1000%. If you have a family heirloom and that's significant to you and you want that to be repurposed as whether it's your, your part of your engagement ring or your actual engagement ring, I'm all for it. You know, simply go and get it reset and put it into a new setting so you have something new with that. But I, I find that that is actually very sentimental and a great thing for people who can do it. That's awesome. I love that too. Okay. Would you see many couples come in together to look for rings? Does it lose any meaning if the person being proposed to weighs in on the ring? We had quite a few come in. Quite often they came in together. And so what happens is they would look at several rings together and the future wife would say, um, these are the four that I like, and then allow the husband to pick one of the four out or the future husband to pick one of the four out. <laughs> um, there was a lot of that that went on so that there was still an element of surprise. Um, but then there's also those gentlemen who would come in that wanted it to be a total surprise. They knew from doing their homework, you know, what their future wife wanted as a ring because they've had that conversation before. You know, when the time is right, I, I, I want a round, I want this, I want, you know, a carrot, two carrots. And, you know, the beauty of being with Tiffany is because it is a high-end luxury store. We often had people who came in that, you know, two carrots was not out of the question, two and a half carrots, you know, um, and those rings were very sought after. And they, the gentlemen really liked to surprise their wives and they wanted it to be something that was 100% on them and reflective of them. But we still had a lot of couples that came in together that were just looking and we had very limited couples that came in that the wife actually picked out the ring and the husband bought it. Hmm. So dad, I don't know if you know this, but Mia actually sent Tony an email just when he was ready to open up with all the specifications of what she wanted. I remember listening to that on one of the <laughs> previous podcasts. <laughs> it was, you know, it was, we had been together eight years or seven years at that point. We'd moved in together. We knew we weren't getting engaged right away, but I said, I, like you said, God willing, I'm going to wear this for the rest of my life. I'm decisive. He's no jewelry expert. I want to weigh in and what I want, you know? So then when he was ready, he opened it up and now he tells all of his friends, all of his non-married friends to, <laughs> to get that info. And then when they're ready, they can do it. At the end of the day, you were still surprised because you didn't know when you were receiving it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so. Uh, you, so it was, you know, you got what you wanted, he got what he wanted. So how much should people actually spend? I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, you're going to, when I tell you the statistics, because I know the actual statistics, because we live on the East Coast and where we live on the East Coast, we're very jaded by what we spend on engagement rings. So in 2019, the average price of an engagement ring in the United States was $7,500. The average price of an engagement ring. In 2020, that dropped to, uh, to $3,600. The average price of an engagement ring. You have to think it's across America. It's not simply the metropolitan New York area that runs differently and it's not California. It's all across America that encompasses this figure. With that being said, I think that it's reflective on the couple that's getting married and it's reflective on the finances that they have. You know, what $10,000 might buy one person might be too much for another person or too little for the next person. So I really think it's significant, um, significantly based on, on the finances and, and where each couple is at in the world at that time. Um, at one point they used three months salary, then it was taken down to two months salary. I think those are great terms to use um, just as a, a 
guesstimate when you're out to begin shopping and want to know what you can afford. Um, but again, I think everything is different because I certainly at the time spent more than two months because I knew it was just going to be a short-term thing in terms of the finances that would be a lifetime of wearing. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I always had an envision of um, a certain ring that I wanted my wife, Sam's mother at the time to, um, to wear. And I didn't want to detract from that. And that was just very important to me as a person. So I, I think that each case is, is different and has to be you know, based. But surely by Connecticut and New York standards, if you were to tell somebody $5,000 for a ring, um, most people would look at you and chuckle because that's just not where they're at in Westchester County or in right. Fairfield County. Mm -hmm. Right. I know that's true. Sometimes you hear these prices that people are spending and it's crazy, but it, we, are in, we are in a bubble. I feel like Sam and I will mention this on the podcast of weddings are way more can be you can spend way more money on a wedding here you can spend way more money on a ring it's all it's definitely it's definitely relative and i like what you said it ten thousand dollars is very different to to very different people and whatever mm -hmm. is good for you whatever is living within your means means to you the more power to you absolutely so i've heard that uh, pearls in engagement rings should be avoided because they can be um very soft and get damaged is that true that is correct. Okay. They're very porous. And so they don't have the longevity of a diamond. Um, a diamond is very hard. Um, people do choose other stones other than a diamond um, for several reasons. There's people coming that just, they're not fond of diamonds and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so what we do is we take them down to, we recommend a sapphire or we recommend an aquamarine uh, or we recommend a ruby. Uh, we would never recommend an emerald, even though some people come in and they want an emerald. An emerald is a very soft stone and an emerald can crack very, very easily. So that's why most emeralds are for evening wear, cocktail wear. Huh. It should never be something that is in a permanent ring, like an engagement ring or a wedding band, because the stones are so fragile. So there are other options that we recommend when somebody does not want to purchase a diamond because they just don't like it or they wanted other options. I didn't know that about emeralds. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember you saying that a while back. I actually knew someone who was gifted an emerald ring and I fell in love with it and I was telling my dad about it and he said he was like, she can't wear that every day um, because it's, you know, it's fragile. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so best way to determine a ring size if you're trying to surprise someone. If you were to walk into Tiffany, every ring is done in a size six and we size them up or down for free based on the sizing. But if you were to walk out with any of our rings, it's a size six in engagement rings. Um, what I would simply do, I mean, at that point, you know, the groom to be has so many opportunities to take a ring and slide it on their pinky and see where it lies on their pinky. And then they come into our store and they said, OK, it fits over my you know, first crease. And then we just size it to that. And hopefully that's a good fit. And generally, you know, it is. And if not, we can tweak it. But a lot of times that's what we, even when they come in and they're just looking, we recommend for them to take a ring and slide it onto their pinky finger. And then based on where that is on the pinky finger, we'll measure them. Do you do like the prongs and everything just in case the size might not have been? The shots. Yeah, yeah. So shots on a band are two little bullets that are put on the bottom of a, either a wedding band or an engagement ring um, that is a little bit too large. Uh, Sam's ring, because it's diamonds all the way around, you can't size it because you'll cut into the diamonds. So the only thing you do is put shots into it. So yes, we do do that. Um, and we will do that when somebody purchases an all diamond band. But if it's not an all diamond band, then we would take it in and just have the ring cut and sized properly. 
Okay, so I'd love to touch on wedding bands because I've said this in a couple other episodes that I'm a little stumped. I knew exactly what I wanted for an engagement ring, um, but wedding bands, I'm definitely open to ideas. So what wedding styles work the best with different rings? Solitaire, halo, a three stone ring? It's, it's all very personal. And I hate to use that answer for so many times, but a lot of times if the ring is, the engagement ring is significant, the future bride does not want to wear the wedding band on the same finger and then we'll have a wedding band by itself and then move the engagement ring. A lot of times they want to wear it on the same. A lot of times they want the option to do both. So then it comes into play, you know, do you want just a plain gold band or did you want a diamond band? And if you wanted a diamond band, how complimentary did you want it to be? So it really, it depends on lifestyle and what you're comfortable with. I always recommend a, a wedding band that stands on its own as well as can be a complement to the engagement ring. Because a lot of times you don't want to wear the engagement ring out. You might not, you know, you might be going to the gym and you don't want to, you know, have it out at the gym for whatever you're doing. So you want to wear a wedding band. So that wedding band could easily be a beautiful gold or platinum wedding band, or it can be something that's a little bit more significant with diamonds or some other stones in that ring. Um, so it really, it, it depends on what the client is looking for. Of course, we always, you have to come in with the engagement ring so that we can pair them together um, and, and see what works best for you. But um, that, that to me is the fun part when somebody comes in because you have, the, the store is like a candy jar. And we did that with Sam when she came in and we just opened and tried every ring on and uh, see what worked best and what she was comfortable with. Some rings were too significant. Some rings were not significant enough, you know, and so, I think you need to work with the client hand in hand to see. And you know instantly when they put that ring on and they have that smile on their face and they have that, oh, I really love this, then you know that you've honed in on something. Um, but it really is just you know trying on and seeing what you like. And, and then once you see something you like, just zoning in on that and you know perfecting that to getting them exactly what they're looking for. Got it. Is there anything you should definitely stay away from? Even if some, obviously if someone loves it, no, but is there a, a pair that is like totally wrong for each other? I mean, truly there's not, you know, some things don't like Sam's ring is very difficult and because she has a pair, a pair is very difficult to get a complimentary band for. I mean, it just, because of the way that the pair sits with the Celeste on it, it it's not the easiest thing. So it took a lot of trying on to get something to work cohesively the way that hers does. But, you know, there really is not, you know, if somebody generally has a platinum uh, engagement ring, I recommend a platinum band because then when you do a platinum and then you do gold, there's a contrast. And for me, what happens is the gold band takes away from the engagement ring. And so you always want to complement the engagement ring with the wedding band. You don't want the wedding band to take away from the engagement ring. You know, so you're always trying to look in that. And a lot of times people come in and, you know, they want this really like beautiful, beautiful diamond anniversary band that's much more significant than the uh, engagement ring that they've received. So then I ask them the question, where do you plan on where are you going to move the engagement ring to the other hand? Or are you going to pair them together? If they pair them together, I try and steer them away from that because what happens is the diamond anniversary band will take over from the engagement ring and the engagement ring loses its significance. So um, it really is a, a fine little dance that we do to try and navigate um, what the client is looking for. We know diamonds are forever, and I know you kind of spoke about some other diamond options, but after a diamond, what is the go-to stone that you would steer people towards? A sapphire. Okay. Why? Um, 
sapphires are exceptionally popular. Um, a lot of people, believe it or not, um, don't want a diamond ring. Um, and they have the finances and they have um, the ability to get something that's significant, but they just don't want it in a diamond. And that can also occur with the second marriage. And, you know, they've had an issue with, you know, the, the other ring and they just don't want to start a second marriage with another diamond and they want to do something different. So we put them into a sapphire and the sapphire can range in price from very moderate to exceptionally expensive, depending on the size and the cut and everything that you're looking for. But to me, I think a sapphire looks incredibly sophisticated um, when it's paired um, in a three stone ring, when you have the sapphire in the center paired with a diamond on each side. I think that looks exceptionally sophisticated and elegant, um, especially for a second wedding when somebody doesn't want the single solitaire diamond ring. Um, and also for somebody who's starting out that, you know, they might not have the means to buy that diamond that they want. You know, if their budget, let's just use 10000 like I used before. If their budget is $10,000, they're going to get more out of a sapphire than they are out of a diamond. And so that might be a really great way for them to, to start out in the sapphire. That then when things change later on, they can move that sapphire to another hand and perhaps purchase something else. But it really is a great way to start out. I, lo I love how Sapphire looks. Do you think some of it is the influence of um, the the British royalty doing Sapphire engagement rings? Sapphires were popular long before uh, okay. Princess Diana. Um, I think what she did was she catapulted it because everybody wanted to emulate that. What is customary for LGBTQ proposals? Mm. When... Bernard and I, we didn't even get engaged. We got married. Yeah, there was no engagement. There, there was no engagement. We just got married. But I do know people who have friends of ours who've gotten down on one knee and presented um, the other spouse or the other groom with a uh, wedding band. And that was the wedding band that they ultimately wore at the wedding. So that engagement ring became their wedding band. Um, I, I, I know the same thing with um, lesbian couples who, um, friends of ours, that they have... Um, one is an engagement ring, the other is a wedding band. So I, I think it depends. Um, you know, for, for Bernard and I, it was never about being engaged. It was about wanting to be married and wanting to spend our life together. So the engagement wasn't, you know, essential for us. As obvious, we went down to City Hall <laughs> to do it. Um, but the wedding was. And so we just got ourselves very nice wedding bands. And, um, and that was it. And we were content with that. So I, I think each case is very specific. But I, I do know a lot of guys who get down on one knee and propose and present the band that becomes their wedding band. Oh, that's neat that it's all ends up being one that's really special. Correct. Correct. Awesome. Okay. So this is um, a question, question for the group in general. I had a friend um, panic text me this yesterday. She had this aha moment of um, should men probably in this situation, we mean straight men, should men have engagement rings? So I think this is really interesting because in Sweden, they actually do. Huh. Um, Joel's brother, when he was engaged, was wearing what I thought was a wedding band. And it was, in fact, an engagement ring, um, which ultimately was going to be his wedding band, I think. Um, but it's interesting because we don't do that here, but I think other cultures do. Hmm. I know some of my straight friends that wanted 
not an engagement ring, but an engagement gift. And so ultimately it was either a bracelet or a necklace or something to commemorate that moment as well so that they had something of significance with them in addition to the fiance having the ring. And that was something I know several people have gotten, uh, like I said, necklaces and bracelets. And I think that's actually a very cool thing to do because it keeps them in, in the movement as well and the moment and not all about, excuse me, the bride to be. I didn't I even that. think of that. Yeah, I love that. I have to say, after we got engaged, I bought Tony Chipotle, so maybe that counts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have my heart right there, so I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. No, and I love that, and I feel like Sam and I talk about that a lot of, um, like, our number one thing is do what you want, and our number two thing is it's about a marriage. It's not just about one person. It's not just about a bride, so I love that. Okay. Is it important that wedding bands match one another? Um, no. Ours don't. No, but I would say yours complement each other very nicely. Maybe you should describe them a little bit. So um, <laughs> ours are from Bulgari and Bulgari has a very specific, it's called the B0. It actually, um, it has some really great significance to us. It's designed after the columns at the Colosseum in Rome, the band. So it looks like, it, it's really quite unique. I'm a little bit more flashy than Bernard, as I'm sure you know and Sam knows. Um, so my ring is actually tri-gold because I can never make up my mind because I change jewelry all the time. And to have a ring on my finger for the rest of my life was something that was I needed to have a little play with. So mine is tri-gold, so it, it's all three golds. It is yellow gold, rose gold, and white gold combined in one ring. Bernard has the same exact ring, but his entire ring is platinum. So it, it changes a little bit, but it's exactly the same. And then with my ring, because even the three colors weren't enough for me, um, at Tiffany, I ended up getting a diamond band and, and anchoring each end of the ring with a diamond band. So that, that became my wedding band. And I absolutely love it and wouldn't change it for the world. But Bernard is quite content with his platinum V0 Bulgari wedding band. I love that. And what is the medal with your um, wedding band from Tiffany? Um, it's all it's all diamond, so it's platinum and diamonds. Oh, okay. Oh. I have two platinum and diamond bands. Yeah, that anchor them ring. That sounds lovely. So when you wear a rose gold, or it it, it like pulls the gold to match. It does. Yes, it, it doesn't make a difference for me. And I'm very because oh. I have a watch that's rose gold. I have jewelry that's rose gold. So even white gold, you know, I have a a watch that has a white gold um, metal to it. So it it's important to me that it all looks cohesive. You know, Bernard is not a jewelry person as much as I am. So, you know, his watches are all matching his ring and that's perfect for him, but mine, mine is not. That's great. Good advice. Good advice. If a man can't make up a decision, what, what is your watch? Like, what do you wear other, uh, other well, jewelry? I, I, I always key it to your watch or a lot of men, more men today than ever wear bracelets, but still a lot don't wear a bracelet. But to me, it's what's going to be on that left hand the most significant part of the time. If your watch is a gold tone or if it is a white tone, then I believe that the ring should be that way. That's just my own belief. What's the best diamond alternative? If so, somebody doesn't want to purchase a diamond as an engagement ring. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know what? A lot of, there, there's people who've just purchased a gold band and just had a gold band as, a, as an engagement ring because the ring wasn't important or they wanted to save finances for other things, you know, and it wasn't as important to them. So, but the significance is a ring, you know, so a, a basic gold band, we, we've done that numerous times as well, um, satisfies that person and, and fills the niche that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And if they wanted a stone that looked like a diamond, is moissanite the, the best? I'm very fussy with something like that. 
I would say do something totally different. Don't do something that you're looking to be passed off as a diamond because there are eyes out there that know it's not. And I'd rather not wear a fake. And I don't mean to say that because Moissanat is not, but I would not rather be perceived that way. I'd rather have something totally different and have that my decision than, than sacrificing and, and trying to carry something that's not. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And moissanite probably does not hold its value the way a diamond does. No, it does not. It right. does not. It depreciates. And it's also not as, uh, it's, it's much more fragile than a diamond. Got it. So over a period of time, it's not going to last. Yeah. It's all about living in, within your means. If you yep. want to have a fake, that's your own prerogative. But I do like what you said of, no, go with a sapphire, go with a ruby and, and something and go a different direction. One of our biggest selling points that we had at Tiffany, um, which was amazing, and there's no other jeweler that does it. Uh, we would have customers come in, clients that would come into the store, and they were embarrassed by their budget of you know five, six, seven thousand dollars for an engagement ring. You can get an engagement ring for that; it's not going to be anything significant. But you're going to get somewhere as you know, and I don't want to say not significant because it is to others. You know, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy points. You know, somewhere between a half carat and three quarters of a carat. Um, sometimes a little bit more, depending on again the quality of the stone. But with that being said, what we would end up selling because Tiffany has a policy where you can upgrade your stone through the lifetime of wearing the ring. Hmm. So what Tiffany will do is they will buy the stone back from you and give you the full price that you've paid for the stone as long as you're paying twice that for another stone. Mm -hmm. So if you spend $5,000 today on a diamond and you wear that diamond and two years down the road, your finances change and you want to upgrade that diamond, we'll buy the diamond back from you for $5,000 as long as you're spending a minimum of $10,000. What a hack. Wow. And that, let me tell you, was a, a great catalyst for a lot of people to make that purchase. Yep. Because then they're not being tied down to the stone. And you can make that purchase numerous times throughout the life of your diamond. At one time, it used to be twice. Now, Tiffany, unless they've changed since I've left, you can do it numerous times. Most people would only do it twice. But it is a phenomenal way. You go from 5 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 40. You don't need to do anything after that. <laughs> but even if somebody at 20,000 could come back in a year and do a 40,000, and people did do that, it was just a way that their finances changed and we got them into another stone. That's incredible. I know. Wow. <laughs> great marketing. It was, a, it was really, really great for a lot of the clients. Wow. I love that. Okay, so raw stones, are they actually less expensive? Raw stones are less expensive because they're not finished. And when you finish them, that you know they get cut. They have to be you know broken apart and, and cut into stones. So you lose a significant part of the raw stone. So you can't account for what that is until it's actually a finished piece. So while raw stones you know might look significant, they're uncut. They look like you know rocks, if you will. So they they have they don't have the intrinsic value of a finished stone. Um, so you really have to wait until the end for it to be finished to get the intrinsic value out of it. So it's really not going to be raw by the end of no, the product? No, unless you plan on just keeping it you know, on display someplace and never using it, you can never wear a raw stone. What is the most lavish piece of jewelry you've seen? There, there's been significant. I mean, there's been, I've seen pieces go out the door for millions of dollars. Um, I will tell you the most fun that we had selling a diamond. It was um, a gentleman who came in. Um, he was from Brussels and 
um, shopped two years ago and decided not to move forward with the purchase. And then out of the blue contacted us and said he'd like to move forward with the purchase of the stone. And he ended up purchasing a uh, five and a half carat oval for his wife for their 30th wedding anniversary. The oval was $600,000. He wired us the money and we had to send a armored Brinks car to the island of Nantucket to deliver it to surprise his wife for their 30th anniversary. Um, He bought the stone sight unseen. We just did a Zoom with him and that's how he saw the stone. We gave him the grading on it and everything. He accepted it wired us the money, and again, brings truck right to Nantucket to deliver it. So that was one of the most extraordinary things that we did. Yes. So you're telling me that an armored vehicle got on the ferry to Nantucket. Not the vehicle, but the armored guard. Oh, my goodness. Two armored guards (laughs) got on and then went to the gentleman's house in Nantucket, delivered the stone, surprised the wife. Uh, They got back on the ferry and then came back to New York. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. That is spend that kind of money, we'll do anything. Right. Oh my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) That is. Oh my goodness. It was literally the size of a golf ball. I can't lie. It was literally the size of a golf ball. She's gonna need to purchase a crane. She She came into the store one day when she was wearing it. Um, and she came in because she wanted it polished because it was she got it dirty so quickly. Um, but it was just like a significant golf ball, and you all eyes were on her, as they say, when she walked in because you just could not not see it. Oh my goodness! And so, five carats did that? Did that go from her, like the knuckle to the? Was that your like how big? Because I know carrots not necessarily size, right? It was but. knuckle to knuckle, side to side. Yeah, it, it took up the entire yeah, and it was side to side. Um, it was set in that was had to be set in six prongs because of the significance of the stone, and you didn't want that stone to be lost. Um, but it was uh, yeah, a enormously significant stone. That's so things like that were fun to watch go out the door. I mean, things yeah. like that were really, really fun. We also had a client in um, New Jersey who would come in and she looked like she just gardened and she came in with her garden clothes and she would empty her bag out onto the counter of all her jewelry to be cleaned. And it was millions and millions and millions of dollars of jewelry that she bought from us over the time that she would just use in her garden. And she didn't garden with gloves and she would get all of the stones so filthy and she would just drop them off and come back and pick them up and we'd clean them for her because she was one of our, our largest clients. Oh my goodness. That actually reminds me of a quick question. I'll get in here. Would you advise not wearing your rings when you're doing something messy or is it okay because they're supposed to withstand some wear and tear? I'm fussy. I take mine off, but you can wear them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're made to be worn, especially diamonds. You know, if you're doing something that has intricate work on it, I, maybe you should take it off, but if it's if it's a gold band or if it's an engagement ring, you know th- it can be steamed out, it can be cleaned, you know. But if it is something again that has significant work and significant diamonds onto it, I always recommend just remove it. Some people don't want to, as this lady didn't, and um, that became her, you know, just the way she was, and she just dropped it off. We cleaned it and she took it back. Um, but it, you know, again, it, it's a very personal thing, but you're certainly not going to harm the piece by wearing it. Okay, Dad. Last one. What is your favorite piece of jewelry that you own? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say I have two favorite pieces. Is that fair? I suppose. So my first favorite is going to be my wedding band that I have that I just described to you earlier. Um, I love the piece. It's everything I wanted. Um, And my other favorite um, piece is a bracelet that your mother gave me uh, as a wedding gift. Um, and I still wear it to this day. 
And it's one of my favorite pieces as well. It hasn't been off my wrist since she put it on on our honeymoon back in 1989. So, um, so those are my two favorite pieces. I feel like I learned so much. Do we have any other questions, Sam? I think that's it. Dad, did we cover off everything? I, I think you pretty much did. <laughs> <laughs> this has been awesome. I know it has. And thank you so, so much. I, I wonder if people might have something that pops up and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to find you and track you down and ask you some more more questions. But I, I learned more in the last hour than I have in a while. <laughs> well, I'm glad it was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's always fun to sell a diamond to somebody. I mean, that, that's, I, I love, that was my favorite part of my job is to sell a diamond. So um, it's a great experience. And so I'm happy to be able to relate that to you folks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Do you think I should start singing Just the Two of Us again? <laughs> I feel like that's got to be the standard after we have a guest. Because now it is, in fact. Just the two of us again. It is. Oh my goodness, it was so nice to chat with your dad. Yeah, no, he is, I mean, I said in the intro, he is my personal jewel um, expert, but uh, he's, he's great. He, um, I, I'm glad that we got him on the, on the show with us. I know, so interesting. I learned so much from him, so that was awesome. Me too, yeah. Um, hopefully everyone else has too. Agreed, agreed. And uh, people can definitely write to us on Instagram and then we can tap him again because it's your dad. It's not someone harder to get in touch with. Yeah, I know where he lives, so we, we will be able to get him. So what's going on with Mary? So lots of couples seem to have jump-started their planning. This happens every time this time of year, but I know, I, I know we hate the word unprecedented, but you just, nothing is really like a trend of years past, but it really seems like it's kind of taking, taking that trend. So people seem to have gathered what they want to do or reaching out to vendors again. So chatting with couples and then I am beginning to hear a bit of, and we touched on this actually, actually last episode, I am starting to hear a bit of an issue when it comes to availability with uh, venues, not just for this year, but for next year too. I'm hearing more and more of that. And I obviously think that's tough for people if they want or need to be on a certain time frame um, for a wedding. But um, I think it really goes back to what we talked about in our uh, You're Engaged Now What episode that um, see, see what matters to you most, look at your non-negotiables, you got married on a Friday and it was amazing and people get married on any days of the week now. And like we said, if, if hopefully I know there's exceptions to this, but your, your VIP people are going to be able to be there no matter what. And that's probably who matters most if you're not doing an elopement or a private wedding day. So there are options, even though Saturdays might be really booked up for the next year or so, but there's, there, there are brighter days on the horizon and there are options. So thank you so much for listening to episode 14, all about rings with our special guest, Garibaldi Lavina. Please subscribe and rate us in the Apple podcast app and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for getting married with us. Have a good one. Bye.